With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, everybody. It's Dave here from Vikings First and Skull, and I'm half of two old bloggers. The other half is sitting right next to me on the viewer's left or the listener's left, whichever. However you're partaking of the show, we've been doing this for over two decades apiece, and we keep coming back for more punishment. So this week, first week that the Vikings don't play football after the 2023 season. However, the 2023 season still rocks as in the playoffs are in progress right now, and we understand that. We're going to be talking about the great Harry the Hitman Smith. Has he played his last game? It's a question we all want to know about. Is he good enough to make the Hall of Fame? Well, we might argue that he is. We'll find out. Secondly, we're going to start with our initial impressions of the coaches and their coordinators. That was said poorly. <laughs> but head coach and coordinators. <laughs> yes. How did KOC do this last season? How did his coordinators do? We're going to look at it, sort of try to break it down a little bit. It's not too analytical. Don't worry about that. We'll get into that later in the offseason. But as of right now, nah, we're just going to get first impressions. After that, We're going to one of Darren's favorite subjects where he starts to look at position groups and evaluate them, how we are now and where we're going with it. And we'll get into this more. Normally, he saves the quarterbacks for last. However, because 
we're in a situation in the team's history where they might move on from Kirk Cousins, our present starting quarterback, who is not under contract next year. There's a lot to talk about. All next on Two Vikings First and Skull presents This Week in Vikings Land with Darren and Dave, your two old bloggers. And we're back. Darren, how are things in the great white north above the Arctic Circle? Oh, well, I'm going to start with a very, seems like a Canadian thing to do, Dave, and uh, talk about the weather. Uh, (laughs) Very, very cold up here. Minus 32, almost minus 33 Fahrenheit right now. Almost minus 50. Hey, embrace the suck indeed. Almost minus 50 yeah, Fahrenheit with the wind chill. So, uh, yeah, spend a lot of time indoors right now, Dave. <laughs> yes, I highly suggest that. And I know our friends <laughs> in the upper Midwest, whether it be Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota, all that, they're experiencing it too. I had a friend post a temperature from North Dakota that their wind chill, because the wind is blowing a little bit harder there, is in around the minus 60 degree range. Ooh, I've had to work baby. in that. And it was five minutes on and 15 minutes off just to to survive. And it was so bitterly cold. Exposed flesh can freeze in like under three minutes type thing. It is brutal. And so we want everybody to stay warm. Stay comfortable as we get ready to talk your Minnesota Vikings. On to theme one. And Harrison Smith. Is he done? Is he going to the Hall of Fame? Two very good questions, Dave. Um, And uh, we're going to get into them right now. The, just uh, wondering last week, Viking season ends, and really wondering, was the Detroit game Harrison Smith's last game as a Viking? Maybe was it his last game, period? Um, you know, after the game, he was interviewed, and you got to take the after game stuff with a bit of grain of salt, Dave, because especially the way the year ended for the Vikings, because players are disappointed, they're beat up, they don't have anything to look forward to as far as going to the playoffs or anything like that. Uh, they're probably going to be a little bit, they're not going to be that upbeat. Um, and especially when you lose six years, last seven games and you're not making the playoffs. So, but you know, Harrison Smith, he did have the chance to like right away end any speculation that he's going to retire by just saying, Nope. Um, if somebody will have me, I'm coming back next year. He didn't do that. Uh, he basically said he didn't sound like he was very sure about anything right now. He needs more t- time to think about it. He said, Hey man, uh, my shoulder is banged up, but he also said, and this is kind of makes me think that he's not long for the NFL is that he kind of said, you know, it's, it's hard to have, you know, go out and, and play, uh, if you don't have the desire to play and, At that point in the season, it sounds like the hitman. You're right. He did look a bit slow this year. Uh, Embrace the suck. That's for sure. And and, uh, so if you don't have the desire to play, does Harrison Smith have the desire to play, to grind it out like you got to do to be a professional football player in the NFL for 2024? Uh, Skolchuk. I think that's, you know, that's a question that he hasn't even figured out yet. Uh, So, you know, he's got the whole season. He's going to have to figure that out. Uh, seems a bit unsure right now. 
but certainly sounds like he's on the fence. Uh, things could change in the next couple of months. But, you know, even if he wants to come back next year, the question is, I think, do the Vikings, should they bring him back? Do they want him back? You're throwing, putting up his, his, you know, his salary figures. right now, mm-hmm. his cap figure. So next year, um, he's going to he's going to count at 19.2 million for the cap. And it's, it's even more in 2025. Well, you know, this year, um, embrace the talk talking about how Harrison Smith looks slow this year, you know, other than the, the game against Carolina where Hitman had the three sacks, turned back the clock was a big reason why we got our first win of the year. He really had a pretty quiet year. I think by his standards, not a whole lot of splash plays. He didn't have an interception this year. That's the first time that's happened since 2016. And that was the only other time that's happened for Harrison Smith. Uh, he really got like outshone. I think most of the time, by Josh Metellus and Cam Bynum, younger younger safety. So really hard to see the Vikings bringing Hitman back when he's got that kind of a cap hit. And you can probably, other safe, younger safeties were seem to have passed him as far as like the level of play. And, you know, it really is probably a time where at that cap hit, at his age, he's going to turn 35 soon, really uh, you probably are looking at, you want to go, you want somebody younger, cheaper, who could be just as good as what Harrison is at this point in his career. Now, Harrison Smith is a great Viking. Uh, I love him. We all love him. Uh, he's going to go in the ring and up ring of honor someday. No doubt about that, but his best days are behind him. Can he still play at an NFL level? Yeah. Uh, but not at the level he once did. And certainly not at the level that he's getting paid at right now. Uh, you know, you could probably, it's probably time to look at, for a starting strong safety to move on from Hitman and replace him with either Metellus, who isn't really a safety in the Brian Flores defense, but that's his his, his, his position, uh, or even somebody like Theo Jackson, who really, when he got to play, he looked pretty good. And you can probably, he's a free agent this year right now, but he's a guy you could probably, if you say, hey, Theo, we want you to be the strong safety, starting strong safety next year, you can probably sign him for 17 million less than what you're going to pay hitman next year. And with the Vikings cap space right now, that is very, (laughs) and with the other decisions they got to make on contracts, that's really, really important. Um, League minimum. I, I, hmm. (laughs) are we talking Jackson or are we talking hitman? Because I don't think Harrison hitman Smith is coming back at league minimum. Now, would he take a pay cut? I suspect he would. And if he he decides, if he decides to come back, it's, I think, because of Brian Flores. But I'm thinking he's starting to feel old amongst youngsters is is the feeling I'm getting. Not only is he aging and, you know, he's not super stud Harry the Hitman that he used to be, but I think he's he's starting to feel a little old amongst the youngsters. And I know that feeling. When, yes. Uh, in the military, when you get close to retirement age and you're looking at new airmen that are 20 years younger than you, and it's just like, <laughs> and you're having, right? And, yeah. And then you got to go out and do the physical, you know, the PT stuff and all the other stuff. And it doesn't come as easy as it used to be. And it gets to the point where it's, yeah, you're getting to the point where you say, I'm a little bit too old for this young man's sport. So, yeah, I don't know. I I don't know what he's going to decide. He may turn around 
you know, we've seen lots of old vets that get the itch and say, no, I still want to play. And some of them play a little bit too long. Some of them don't. And so we don't know. It's, I do believe that if he does hang up his cleats, Ring of Honor is definitely in the future and hopefully sooner than better. Yeah. But but we'll see. I I, I think that, yeah, unless he says something and in, in his in the locker room after the game, he said, you know, uh, it's been the quote has been used a bunch of times this week, but he said, if I retire, you guys, I'm not going to tell you guys. Right. So um, I guess. Uh, but I feel that. You know, based on I think that he's done completely like with the NFL right now. That's my feeling right now. I could be wrong and, and that's fine, but I definitely think he's done with the Vikings unless he were to come back at some, like you say, you know, a huge humongous pay cut that I don't think a veteran like Harrison Smith at this stage of his career, he might do that for another team to get a Super Bowl, crack at a Super Bowl, but I don't think he's going to do it with the team that he came up with who probably aren't in position to win a Super Bowl next year. Just, just my feeling. Um, the other thing. Okay. So, we know what I think about his, whether he's going to play next year. I don't think he is. I think he's going to retire. Um, if he does retire, if the Detroit game was Harrison Smith's last game in the NFL, Dave, uh, I think the question is, and it's been brought up before, is like, is he the next Viking to get into the Hall of Fame? And I think it's a great, great question. And so to kind of get into that, I felt it was a good idea to compare, and it's already been brought up in the comments, uh, with him, with Troy Palomalu. Uh, Palomalu was, uh, you know, uh, he's uh, got into the Hall of Fame in 2020, his first year of eligibility. He's considered one of the greatest NFL safeties of all times. You're going to, but if you look at their stats, their raw stats, Dave, they are like very, very close. And actually, and you got them all up there in like the the, the on the field stats, that's the tackles, the interceptions, the sacks, um, fumbles, all the you know tu- defensive touchdowns. Harrison is close to Palomar or actually better than him in a lot of those categories. Uh, pretty close in the Pro Bowls, but that's kind of a bullshit stat anyway. <laughs> These days, with the way pro, you know somebody's considered a Pro Bowler after five guys pull out and then they take the twenty fifth alternate, then you're a Pro Bowler. So. Um, you know, well, but it's, you, it's first ballot Pro Bowl is what they're counting. Yes. But still, it's it's fan voting that plays into it. It's name recognition. It's it's a whole bunch of BS. It doesn't tell you how good the player actually was. No. Prime and example: you, this season's Pro Bowl. Right? You had uh, who was it? The safety from. Uh, that got in with no sacks, no interceptions, no nothing above both Metellus and Antoine Winfield Jr. just because of name. And I can't even remember who that is. That shows how much of attention I paid. I, to the I think it was the Badger. Yeah. Oh, okay. Tyron Ty Matthew. Yeah. Um, you look at those. You look at those stats, Dave. Uh, they're over the same amount of seasons. Twelve. Um, and and you can see where Hitman's in the green. He's got more than Troy Polamalu, considered again one of the greatest safeties of all time. So, looking at that, um, you'd have to say, man, Harrison Smith, those are some pretty fat PHAT stats for Harrison mm-hmm. Smith. He has got to be a shoe in for the Hall of Fame. Well, 
I don't think so. And there's a few reasons why. The one of the reasons is the the stats up top of there. Uh, the you know he was Palomalo, deservedly or not, Defensive Player of the Year in 2010, which is you know quite a feather in your cap. And the two Super Bowl rings. You know, we know that name recognition means a lot when you get to the Hall of Fame. It's a very subjective thing a lot of times. And Palomalo, when he was at his peak, he had the, you see the picture there, he had the long flowing black hair. Uh, he was with a marquee, one of the marquee franchises in the NFL and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, they were at their peak with Ben Roethlisberger. They were in the playoffs all the time, on national TV all the time. And again, Two Super Bowl rings for Troy Polamalu. Two Super Bowl rings we know makes a big difference in your ability to get into the Hall of Fame than if you don't have them. Just ask Jim Marshall on, on that one. And so <laughs> I don't think that that's where I think that you know, Harrison Smith. Yeah, uh, it's not like he didn't have he doesn't. I know he definitely has name recognition amongst NFL people who follow the NFL for sure, but certainly not the recognition that Troy Polamalu had. And yeah, he played in Minnesota, which has been a very, you know, very storied franchise, but not quite the marquee franchise that the Steelers are, largely because of the amount of Super Bowls that we've had. Didn't even when the Vikings didn't always make the playoffs during Harrison Smith's career, probably half the time they did, didn't play on national TV a lot, certainly not constantly. And Smith does not have any Super Bowl rings. He hasn't even played in one yet. So name recognition and rep and and all you and it matters, and you're never. Harrison Smith is also a very quiet, soft-spoken guy off the field, uh, and you're certainly not going to see him in any Head and Shoulders commercials with with Pat Mahomes. So, uh, you know, I think that those are all reasons where actually Harrison Smith are going to hurt Harrison Smith when he when the time comes for him to be eligible for the Hall of Fame, and and then you know if you're looking at sort of analytics stuff. Um, Pro, fo- pro football references approximate value method metric where they try to put a number value on how good a player is in a particular season and in their career. They actually uh, give uh, Paul Amalu a pretty healthy – they think he was a better player than Smith. The, the value for Harrison Smith was – I think I've been – I think I've gone off the air. No, no maybe not. Uh, I'm back. Uh, just just uh, crap, that's all. Yeah, so uh, Harrison Smith's approximate value, according to PFR, is 81. Palomalo's is 117. And if you look at, there's been 17 safeties who have made the NFL Hall of Fame. If you look at their approximate values, according to PFR, uh, Harrison Smith's only better than two of them, two or three of them. One of them being Kenny Easley, who I don't know how he got into the Hall of Fame at all. (laughs) But anyway, he's in there. Uh, So I don't know how much... Hall of Fame voters look at PFR, but they probably take in a bunch of stuff uh, these days, and not just rep. But uh, all the you know the the lack of Super Bowls, the lack of uh, being on the you know the the hype that compared to Palomalo, I think those are things that actually make it that make it that so that it's going to be tough actually for Harrison Smith to get into the Hall of Fame, and he might not really have that good of a chance, even though his stats for the position he plays suggest that he should have get strong consideration. Uh, I'll be just, dis- so I, that's my worry. I think he's definitely worthy of pro pro uh, a hall of famer. He was one of the top five safeties in the NFL for a decade. Uh, that's got to count for something, but I, I don't know if it will. Well, I was talking to a friend, uh, KT Smith, who does the call sheet podcast for fans for sports network. He happens to be a Steelers fan, Grown up by heart, even though he lives in the shores of New Jersey, 
Um, he very much follows the NFL. I mean, one, he does it for a living outside of, you know, his coaching. He does coach. That's why the call sheet. And, mm-hmm. uh, but he knows Smith, but he was surprised to see those stats. Right. Because he loves Smith. He says Smith's great, but Smith is that sort of the blue collar, goes to work, pushes hard, doesn't raise any sort of stink, doesn't, you know, stand out a whole lot, isn't glorious. Whereas Palomalu was the one that was diving over the line to get, you know, knock the ball out of the quarterback's hands type stuff. And he had those flash plays. Smith didn't have as many flash plays. And combined with the Steelers games are always on, right? They have the bigger audience. Yeah, The Vikings nationally generally are not. Um, yeah, they get a few national games a year, but it's not as big as the Steelers. So he didn't get that. And he wasn't as boisterous and uh, uh, gregarious as Palomalu was. And so especially when we're talking to people that vote for the Hall of Fame, right? They get impressions because most of them do not follow every single team down to the minute detail. They're from one area, San Francisco or New York or Chicago, um, where they're doing their writing stuff. Now, there are writers from each area that contribute, and the Vikings have theirs, but that's only one out of however many voters, and I think there's at least 50, um, that do this. So it it gets drowned out unless you're on a big stage where you're seen. And the Steelers are considered one of the big stage. I think you wrote that uh, they're one of the chosen, not the chosen, but one of the favored American. franchises yeah. in the NFL, which I do believe they are. And, you know, winning four Super Bowls and all the Rooney stuff, and it's it's a great story. So he doesn't get that visibility. Hitman never gets that visibility, so that's going to hurt him. Now, you talk pro football focus, and you're talking their AV grades, and you're 100% correct. But they also have what they call the Hall of Fame tracker. And then mm-hmm. their metric is HOFM. Uh, I think the M is for metric. In it, there are the Hall of Fame imports, or imports, um, has safeties and corners in the same group. They call them defensive backs. And in that defensive back group, I went and looked at the Hall of Fame tracker, which measures how many Pro Bowls, how many All-Pros, how many Defensive Players of the Year, how many this, you know, MVP, Super Bowls, Conference Championships. All that is measured, and it's all figured into their algorithm, however they do it. And Hitman was very, very low. As a matter of fact, his HOFM score was lower than anybody in the league that was in the Hall of Fame. There were a few players, or two players, that were ahead of him. Not by a whole lot, but ahead of him. And uh, first one was Dick LeBeau. Now, people think of Dick LeBeau, and what do you think of? 
You think he's coaching? Yeah. Yeah. And Dick LeBeau got in because of his coaching. Was he a good cornerback? Yes, he was a good cornerback. But he got in because of his coaching. And this picture here, it was real hard to find a picture of him playing. He played for Detroit. And that picture there is 1961. And it's uh, he's tackling Hugh McEnany, our Vikings. But he got in. Next up on that list, a little bit higher than LeBeau, was Emmett Thompson or Thomas, cornerback from the Chiefs. He also was a defensive coordinator with the Vikings for one year. Mm-hmm. Um, so Thomas got in as well. Well, Thomas had a Super Bowl. That helps, right? And uh, so Thomas got in. Super Bowl plus two AFC championships. That helped his score. Uh, Thomas's score was a 52.85. LeBeau's was a 48.20. They have Harrison Smith at a 41.48. So for Harrison to get above LeBeau, he's going to have to play another season. Will that happen? I don't know. I don't know if he's going to. And... And it would take playing another season. Hopefully, we get to the Super Bowl, but who cares? Who, you know, who knows? Above that, you know, of course, we have Troy Palomalu, who we compared him to. Palomalu's HOFM score was a 96.53. It, it, it's double or almost double of what Hitman's is. And that, I think, is why. Hitman's not going to get in, at least not for a long time. Now, the Hall of Fame is starting to slowly, and it may be because of the writers that vote on it and the committee are dying off, but they're slowly moving away from the older style of who we watched, who we know, all that stuff, to incorporate more of the detailed stats, the... uh, like the ones we showed, that show him better than Troy Palomalu. And that may eventually get him in, but I wouldn't expect it on his, you know, as soon as he's eligible or probably, I. it's probably going to have to wait till he comes up for the senior round. And I may not even be around to see that. So, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Or you need to, or you need a, somewhat of a weak class, the one of those years where he mm-hmm. maybe edged in, but, uh, Safety is a tough position for for you to for a guy to get in, um, especially if you don't have Super Bowls. Because uh, typically, you tend to be far away from the action. Uh, although not Brian Flores' defense, <laughs> but uh, you're, you're, you know you're you're not going to get the sacks, or maybe hopefully you're not getting the tackles because if safety is leading the team in tackles, that's <laughs> bad for your run mm-hmm. defense. But anyway. Uh, but yeah, going to be tough for him. Even though, again, uh, I just don't think he is. Sadly, will have the the, the rep. The, you know the the uh, the Super Bowls, all uh, all that glory stuff, which doesn't really mean a whole hell of a lot on the actual field, and doesn't mean <laughs> you're not doesn't Hall of Fame worthy. A bad player. I mean, he's a very very good player. But do I think he and, makes us the Hall of Fame? At least not in my lifetime. Yeah. <laughs> now I hope he does. I think he deserves yeah. it. But. 
That brings us to theme two. From uh, that wonderful discussion to this one, <laughs> coach evaluations. Yeah, your idea, Dave, was to do uh, just take a, a, a like a quick view, kind of grade out the the how all our head coach and our main coordinators, offensive, defensive, and special teams, and kind of look at them and, and feel on well, assess how they did. Like I say, this isn't going to be. We're not going to throw out your know, PFF gradings or even though I don't think they have any gradings for coaches, but we're not going to do a lot of analytics. Just, just take a quick look. There are some out there. Yeah. And then, and look at, uh, you know, just how they do with the hand that they were dealt. First one we're going to get at is of course the, the head honcho, Kevin O'Connell. He said it this week in his, in his his end of season pressers, it's a results, it's a results based league. So his first year was a pretty, you know, was a smash hit 13 and four, NFC division champions uh, he made the playoffs one had done the playoffs, but you know, quite an improvement over the previous year. Well, 2023 was kind of a flop. If you look at it based on that, you go from well over one of the best records in the NFL and division champions to seven and 10 and you don't make the playoffs. So on that end, you can't really consider that uh, you, 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 might you know outsiders might say, well, Connell did a didn't do a very good job this year. Uh, <laughs> takes a you pull with Bourbon was a uh, so, but I think that that's uh, I you know I don't think that's the case. I think Kevin O'Connell did do a good job this year, and there's been times I've been like a lot of us have been frustrated by things that he's done. But I think overall, when you look at hey, again, when you lose your starting quarterback and you lose your best offensive player in Justin Jefferson for long, long stretches of the season, and in Cousins' case, he was done for the year when he had his Achilles tendon, your team's probably not going to do very well. Cleveland Browns have been an exception this year, but normally, once you're, especially once your starting quarterback goes down, your season is over. <laughs> That's what uh, I kept saying, house money. Yeah, house money. Now, so... And then you throw in all the, but O'Connell kept the team. The Vikings were in playoff contention right up until the fourth quarter of last week's game uh, when some of the results started coming in. Um, You know, technically they were in it. We knew that they weren't really in it, but technically they were still in the playoffs. uh, Mathematically. Yes, mathematically. Now, so I think that when you look at that, uh, based on those injuries. And then, of course, there were the other ones, too, that happened late in the season. You had DJ Wanham go down with a torn quad. You had TJ Hogginson go down with the, the knee injury. You had Brian O'Neill with the ankle problems. All of those guys didn't play pretty much the last three games of the season as the Vikings were desperately trying to save their season from collapsing and, and try to get in the playoffs. And so just too many injuries to key guys to overcome for Kevin O'Connell. And, oh, and so the list is bigger than just that. That's right. It's a lot larger. So it is. Uh, but I think when you look at that, uh, the hand that he was dealt, the injuries he had, the Vikings were still, other than the Green Bay game at home, the Vikings were in every game they played this year. They had a chance to win and a very good chance to win in 17 of the uh, 17 of, uh, sorry, 16 of the 17 games they played this year. 
with the injuries they had, especially to the key guys, I think that, again, Kevin O'Connell did a pretty good job keeping them competitive uh, with what he was dealt with. Now, and, and you know, other things is like I, again, you could nitpick and people go at him about the play calling. I've said before, I have a hard time judging them on play calling because I'm not a huge X and O's guy. I don't have a lot of technical knowledge about the game. Uh, so, and really, you know, play calling sometimes, sometimes a lot of times you call up the right play, but it's not executed properly. There's a bad block. Uh, a guy drops a pass. A guy doesn't run the right route uh, the way it's supposed to be run. The quarterback makes a bad decision. Those are things that the quarterback, like the head coach, does not have control of at the moment, right? Mm-hmm. So all the, all the turnovers, the fumbles, the interceptions, the drop. Well, passes. yeah. So I, I don't. Unless the the Vikings were consistently underperforming on offense in the two seasons uh, well below what we think we they should have. I, I have a hard time blaming Kevin O'Connell's play calling and saying that needs to improve. And our Tyler Fornis thinks he's a great play caller. Uh, and Tyler Fornis knows a lot about football. So, uh, you know, we'll take, take that as well. Uh, that doesn't mean that there are things that, that didn't go well for O'Connell. And, uh, uh, Hold on. and you know, there was some game management stuff. Um and I think the the main thing that's really been a sore spot is the running game. Uh, it was it was prone to negative plays and it was inefficient in 2022, and it got worse in 2023. And Kevin O'Connell is going to have to fo- focus on that this off season and, and fix that because if he can, it's going to make the offense more balanced. It's going to help your quarterback. It's going to help your offensive line. It's going to help your defense if you can be. We know he's a pass-first guy, and the Vikings are going to pass a lot when you got Justin Jefferson and TJ Hawkinson and Jordan Addison. But you got to have more balance than the Vikings had this year, and that's partly you know that ineffectiveness of the running game in both seasons that he's been head coach is something that is on Kevin O'Connell, and he's going to have to fix. Mm-hmm. Now, what I was trying to interrupt with is uh, I saw it. I'm looking for it, and I can't find it. I saw. I think it was Computer Cowboy. That uh, did the stats that we see all during the season, but it's either that or PFF or something. They ranked play callers hmm. in the league, whether it be the head coach, if the head coach is calling it, or the OCs are calling it. He finished fifth. Hey, I don't know all exactly what their metrics was, but he finished fifth. So. Could be. But I do think overall, with all the adversity that he had to deal with, he did an understandable job, respectable job. Like you said, we were in the game 16 out of 17 games. He was, uh, to me, I've said it before, it felt a little like 2016, where we started out so hot and then... Everybody started dying, you know, and getting all sorts of injuries, and we we're pulling tackles and guards from Seven Elevens to play. It it felt very similar to that to me. Only it didn't work out that way, where we started out great and then just fell off the cliff. This one was, we started out slow. Defense gets their act together, and then suddenly, we start losing players. And uh, but he he was clawing at it. Every single time. I don't think there was any give up in him. And no, believe it or not, I don't think there was give up in the team. Now, some people say they saw give up on the field. 
I'm not quite so sure. I thought they were playing, but I that that's one of the thing, things that I would also was going to point out is why I thought he did a good job because um, I don't I agree with you. I don't think the team quit even as the season was collapsing and you lose six of your last seven games and you see a lot of teams some teams where that guys do sort of check out. I didn't see that uh, maybe at times in the Packers game uh, as it got out of hand but against Detroit I didn't see any evidence of guys like tape making business decisions Justin Day would not agree with me but I'm taking business decisions and not trying to tackle uh right. maybe they didn't do it very well but it wasn't through lack of effort. <laughs> so I, uh, I you know I think yeah when your season goes south for the team to keep on playing hard and still having the will to win even when nobody believes in them I think that that speaks some, you know speaks to the coach the culture that he's putting in place and I like the way Kevin O'Connell handles himself I like the like his demeanor after games uh, it, and the team seems to buy into what he what he's saying so and especially what went on this year I think that I think the message is still being heard by the players from him and that's all good things uh, and that's why I think he did do you know um, you know a good job this year despite all of the roadblocks that were thrown in his way. Mm -hmm. I see George put up that he thinks uh, he was too soft, but play calls were too long. Now, George, on the play calls, I'll agree to that. I think the whole present system where you have to reiterate a paragraph's worth of code words is stupid. <laughs> it's, uh, you need it's to... Got a way to do it. You've got to find a more efficient way to... Yeah, exactly. Um, you code it down. You give it a number system or an alphabetic system, and, you, and the players can learn that as well. You know, instead of having to take five minutes to call out a single play, you know, you go play forty-seven, whatever, and yeah. and that improves the time and the ability to do that. And players can learn that. And I know it's not going to get that simple. However, there was examples of it where he'd call into Joshua Dobbs, which we'll talk about later, and he'd say, play 16 on your wrist cup band. And he'd go down to 16 and then start that paragraph long. This, that, <laughs> yeah. blah, 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 blah. And uh, so, but yes, I think they're, I think NFL's gotten way too long for a long time. And I think he's even worse at it, so. <laughs> But speaking of play calls and play development, that moves us to our next coordinator. Our well, Wes Phillips, offensive coordinator. How did he perform this year? In, in our, uh, Phillips is a question mark mystery to me because he doesn't call the plays. Uh, Kevin O'Connell does. It's viewed as Kevin O'Connell's offense, not Wes Phillips' offense. So how well the Vikings' offense does or how poorly it does I have a hard time because Wes Phillips does not call the plays to really assess how good of an offensive coordinator he is. Um, until he starts calling the plays, I'm going to continue to have a hard time with that. You know, I, I know that you know, he's doing all the things that a coordinator would do. He's, he's got a heavy involvement in the offensive game plan and getting his different players prepared for that game, uh, for the game and to execute that game plan. There's probably a million things behind the scenes that he's doing. O'Connell calls him his right-hand man. But until you're calling plays... He's the eyeballs and, up in the booth. Yeah. Yeah, uh, well, you know what? You know the impact he's given on the game. What he's seeing, how he's he always relaying that to the players on the field to help them do better on the field later on. Uh, don't know much about that. Nobody does except the you know the players who are playing and the and the other coaches. But so I can't really give Phillips a 
big grade. Although, again, he bears responsibility for an offense that is was this year was extremely pass heavy and couldn't run the ball worth a lick. Uh, so, um, I, you know, I would, but they somehow held it together and had an, an offense that uh, most of the time was able to move the ball, uh, maybe not as effectively as you would have liked, but again, you don't have your starting qu- quarterback. You don't have your top wide receiver for a great portion of the season. That's going to make your offense a little bit less effective. They found a way to get, make it work most games. Um, but was that because of Wes Phillips' brilliance or is that because of Kevin O'Connell's brilliance uh, and ability? And that's hard to tell, especially and the players again, when, actually executing. Yeah. Yes. And uh, get get into a little bit later, but uh, about the, the NFL PA survey, uh, Wes Phillips was not named as one of the top five coordinators. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so um, now maybe an incomplete in chat. Get, get that. <laughs> They're not oh. responding right. I'll bet Norsefius did. That brings us to the next one. Brian Flores. Maestro. Uh, yeah. Who, well, we've talked. Who has not, or at least that we know of publicly, received any interview requests? Correct. Um, and particularly the, the Patriots job is now filled. So that was one of the places he was speculated to be possibly going to, but he won't be going there unless he's going <laughs> to take a promotion wrote- there. What's his name? Mayo. Um, yeah. It was in his contract that he would be the heir apparent. So yeah. that's why they didn't interview. They didn't do squat. They just said, nope, you're the new next head coach. And if that is uh, leads to Flores staying with the Vikings for a second year as defensive coordinator, all for it. Uh, but we've talked about Flores, seems like weekly mm-hmm. on here uh, for months. Uh, so it's going to be no surprise that people – uh, yeah, I, I know that the defense struggled the last three, four games. Uh, uh, but I think, again, Flores did a great job with what he was given with the talent that he had, which wasn't a whole lot of talent really on defense. And they they overperformed. Uh, again, you know, uh, in the top half of the league as a scoring defense uh, after being one of the worst the year before. But, you know, one of the things like – Again, the, the collapse of the defense and giving up all those points late in the season. Okay, yes, it, it is true that the Vikings' defense seemed to struggle when they faced some of the better offenses on their schedule. They, um, but um, they stopped. They they stuffed. They stopped and were very effective against the mediocre and poor offenses they were facing. And if you you know flash back to last year under Ed Donatel or the previous two years under Mike Zimmer, the Vikings couldn't stop good defenses or good offenses, great offenses or poor offenses. They couldn't stop. <laughs> uh, so for me, for our defense under Florida, when they could. And yes, it was. So to me, uh, Hey, if the Viking, the Vikings were, did a great job against the mediocre and poor offenses offenses in the NFL, that is a step forward to what we've been seeing the previous three years. And as an evidence that Brian Flores did a very good job, I think also, um, you know, some of the some unheralded players played their best football. He got the best out of guys like Josh Metellus, Cam Bynum, um, DJ Wanham, Jonathan Bullard, guys like that. He was able to get the best out of them uh, compared to what they'd done in previous years with the Vikings. And I think, you know, again, that's a testament to his. Jordan Hicks is another guy who 
didn't really, I think, play very well in 2022, but was one of our best defensive players in 2023 when he was healthy. So, And that was again, the change in the system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. More aggressive system, more, more blitzing, uh, a lot more blitzing. Um, but, you know, I think Flores, again, did a great job getting a lot out of players that we didn't think he was going to get much out of. The, the results on the field were certainly better than they had been in the previous couple of years. And uh, I think that, hey, if you, uh, Quasio Dolphamenta, go get Flores some more talent on defense, whether, you know, however you do it, draft, free agency, whatever. And I think, again, like I said last week, we're going to be pretty happy with the results that Flores gives us if he returns as the defensive coordinator. Again, so far, no head coaching interviews that we know of. Mm-mm. Now, uh, they did finish, I want to say it was like fourth against the run, something, top yeah. 10 against the run, which is yes. amazing because it was not that last year. We were 31st and 32nd. Not even, yeah, and you consider where they were after the Philly game mm-hmm. <laughs> where we gave Oh, yeah, that was yards on rushing, yeah. And uh, we finished, I think, 15th overall defense-wise, which is middle of the pack, which what yeah. we were asking for. Mm-hmm. That's right. And, and then he made somebody like Hicks before he got injured look great, and Hicks played into the whole run. Uh, you have Ivan Pace to trust an uh, undrafted free agent, rookie, too small, linebacker to become one of the best linebackers in the league. He led the league in uh, pass defense of all linebackers. A rookie, you know, undrafted free agent, too small. And Mm -hmm. part of that is, you might say Mike Pettin. Now, and I am Mike Pettin. Mike Pettin deals with the outside linebackers. Yeah, he does, Um, yeah. uh, But... Part of that is Flores and how, how he's teaching to run the system, and it, and it works. Um, hey, Norris Fias, I'd uh, speed up your clock and already call it Beer 30 if I was you. That brings us <laughs> to the next coordinator, Matt Daniels. Hey, yes, and the last one, our special teams coordinator, the uh, you know, Daniels um, – the good news is that Daniels is highly regarded by his players, as is Brian Flores, that NFL Players Association, they came out with a, a survey a few weeks ago uh, of the top coordinators in the league, and Flores and Matt Daniels were in the top five, according to the, the players. Uh, so the players like Daniels. Like they think, think a lot of him. Yeah, that's right. They, they think a lot of him. Uh, but So that's good news. The bad news is that Greg Joseph this this year had I think the least uh, uh, the the lowest field made field goal percentage in the NFL um, didn't end up costing the Vikings any games but uh, that wasn't great Ryan Wright I thought took a step back wasn't as effective as a punter as he was his rookie year uh, we didn't get any big plays from our punt returns or our, or our kickoff return teams. And I don't think we're all that great on punt return or kickoff return coverage either, particularly in the in the Detroit game last week. So Najee Tonsman was was the you know he was the stud on the whole unit, and uh, I think he's got a bright future as a special teamer. But he can't pull the team the whole units up all by himself. Um, so I think it'd be hard to make an argument that Matt Daniels any of like 
what did we do well as a special teams overall? We didn't. We didn't do anything well, except we did convert two uh, fake punts for first downs. We did do that well. We were two for two in those. But otherwise, not really much to write See home you, about as, as, as special teams under Matt Daniels. And Kevin O'Connell hasn't made any changes to his coaching staff yet. He does have a couple of, 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 of uh, replacements to make along defensive line and um, – outside linebacker or maybe he'll just keep the people that are already in there but well mike Petton, assistant head coach who we did not bring up on this is technically the outside right. linebackers coach but mike smith has been on like personal leave for almost the whole season so i don't i don't know if they've officially I made i don't think they officially made the decision to that Petton's the interim guy but anyway uh, I, it's just, probably, that's what he's listed as but i yeah i don't see but Petton's, I, value add, added but um. anyway uh but o'connell hasn't made any changes announced any changes to his coaching staff however um and i don't think daniel's job is is in jeopardy particularly if the players love him but if your special teams unit is as unimpressive in 2024 as it was in 2023 then in 20 that following season daniel's job might he might be on the hot seat it might be in jeopardy not now uh, but there is hope for him because uh, special teams units and their performance, and we've seen it so often, it goes it up and down, fluctuates so much year to year. Next year, the Vikings could be awesome in special teams, and Daniels will get all kinds of credit for that. Might even get a few head coaching uh, uh, you know, uh, interviews because of that, because he's been mentioned as having head coaching, being head coach material in the past. But Anyway, that's a quick look at, or maybe not so quick look at, how we thought the <laughs> head coach and the coordinators did this year for the Vikings. And I don't disagree. Now, the only thing I think why Mr. Wright's punting performance went down is they took away his fat man's number from him. Early <laughs> if he'd have his fat man's number, I think he'd do great. Would have been all good. Yeah. <laughs> but that's just me. Anyways, on to theme three. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Narsvius, I'm going to need a poll for this one. <laughs> Position review, the quarterbacks. Uh, every, uh, the past few years on the show, for those who are new, um, once the Viking season ends, and this year it's ended sooner than we hoped, um, we do kind of look at a, um, we, we look at the each positional unit on the Vikings, and we kind of look at like what we think the Vikings should do, and what we th- what we think what we, what the Vikings should do, and what we think that they're actually going to do, 
And sometimes, a lot of times, those aren't the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, As you were saying earlier in the show, last year, for sure, I left the quarterbacks until the last. Uh, This year, because the the quarterback question, what are we going to do there, has been basically the main topic in Vikings land for basically since Cousins got injured and maybe before that. I figured, well, let's start with quarterbacks right off the bat. Uh, So that's what we're going to do. And uh, hey, uh, it's pretty important because once again, and it seems like this has been the case for three or four seasons now, there's a what are the Vikings going to do about Kirk Cousins? Um, Here's what we know. Um, (laughs) Kevin O'Connell loves Kirk Cousins, loves him to death. Um, A lot of the vet players love Kirk Cousins. We heard Brian O'Neill passionately defend him and talk about how he'd love to play with him again. Justin Jefferson has also been maybe not quite as passionately, but pretty clear that he thinks Kirk Cousins is a fantastic player and wants him and wants him back. And that the Vikings were really hurt on the field this year by not having him there. And there's other players that have expressed their love for Cousins as well. Kwesi Adolfa Mensa. We know he loves Kirk Cousins too. And when he was asked point blank in his presser, do you want Kirk Cousins back this year? The first words out of his mouth were, yeah. Uh, there were some qualifiers after that, but he made it pretty clear that, again, he lo- loves Kirk Cousins. And we also know that Cousins loves Minnesota. Um, he's become, as we said, he's become a, like a respected leader in the locker room, something that we could not have predicted in 2018 when he was arguing on the sidelines with Adam Thielen uh, and that famous thing. But he's the players seem to really love him um, as a leader, as a player. Uh, we know that his family loves Minnesota. They're they're you know, his kids are he loves the his kids love the area and all that sort of stuff. But we also know that he's gonna turn 36 in in August, I think. We know he's coming off an Achilles tear. Uh and we know that he is not a guy who has shown um the the inclination to take hometown discounts when it comes to contracts. So that leads to a very interesting quandary for the Vikings is like, just what do you do with Cousins? He's a free agent now. Um, I just don't see, I, I think the time has come right now. It's time for the Vikings. Kwesi, Dofa, go out and get your quarterback of the future. Like this year. Uh, this whole thing where we do the little extensions by you know, increments with Kirk Cousins, it just hasn't worked. Yeah, his stats are great. And I, you know, I, I, I like, I really like Kirk Cousins as a human being. I think he's a hardworking guy who gets the most out of what he's got. I think he's a very good player. Uh, but it, on the field, the results have been what they are. And a lot of times it's resulted in a 500 team or a little bit below. Uh, is that suddenly going to change now as he gets to 36? And what what he gives you, again, I, I just – so that's why I think with what you've seen on the field, and this year we've got a pretty some pretty enticing – quarterback prospects that the Vikings at pick 11 right now uh, have a shot at. Even with Quinn Ewers, pictured, not deciding to opt out of the draft, you've got Caleb Evans, Drake May. Okay, the Vikings probably aren't getting those guys. Jaden Jaden Daniels there. You've got, uh, again, a guy like, um, I'm missing a few, but whether it's um, Michael Penix, potentially J.J. McCarthy, um, Cam Ward from Washington State, um, even Jordan Travis from Florida State, and I'm thinking I'm missing one big one here as well. 
but there's there's some talent there. Bo uh, Nix is what you listen Bo to. Bo Nix, that's right. And he's been mocked to the Vikings and will continue to be mocked to the Vikings numerous times. I think most of those guys, other than Drake May and Caleb Evans, and there's a whole question around whether Caleb Evans is even going to enter the draft this year. Caleb Williams, you mean? Yeah, Williams. Williams. Yeah. Um, um, because he does not want to play for Chicago, surprisingly. Okay. Uh, but, so you know, I think it's time with what you've got that's available in the draft right now, at least that, that we know of, uh, that it's time to take that shot and do what it takes to get your quarterback of the future because the the Kirk Cousins extension thing for two years or three years, there's no long-term future in that. Uh, eventually, the bottom is going to fall out on Cousins and probably a lot sooner than later. Um, Orpheus is not on Penix or Nix, which is interesting. I really like Penix, but uh, he's the only guy I've watched a bunch of times. Even if his, even if the Michigan game was not a good game for him, um, you know, he was under constant pressure the whole time, but really, you know, Kwesi Dofamets, I think they, they got to go and get him. They got to do what they can to get him. Uh, reportedly, according to a guy named Brett Coleman, he's a blogger. He said the Vikings, like, were giving them up a boatload, a boatload to get Anthony Richardson. The farm, it, the cows, yeah, the chickens. The, the whole thing. And they ended up, uh, the, the, their trading partner didn't, felt that they were going to be too, the Vikings were going to be too good this year. And so they weren't going to get as high draft picks by trading to them compared to somebody else. So they didn't do the deal with the Vikings. But if the Vikings tried hard last year to get a guy like Richardson, they got to try even harder, I think, this year to get somebody like Jaden Daniels. Well, and last year they were trying to move from, where were we, 21? Yeah. Up. Now they're moving from 11 up. There's a shorter distance to jump. Now, it's still going to be expensive. Yes. Our buddy, our pal, um, Tyler Fornis, went over the cost of doing that. And it's a little scary. And especially <laughs> since they know you're probably moving up for a quarterback, then there's the added quarterback tax. Yes, there is. But I think that this is the year uh, with considering the talent that's out there right now um, to, to do that. The, I guess, the, and the other thing though, is that, so by all means, they got to do that, but that doesn't, by all means, Kwesi Dofamensa, go out and go to Cousins team and assess what it's going to take to bring him back. Because I'm not against bringing Kirk Cousins back. Cause I, you know, I think he's the best bridge quarterback that's going to be out there. <laughs> uh, but there's, there's a certain, um, you know, there's got to be a certain threshold to what you're willing to do. And I really don't think really, you know, talk to Cousins' team, but you look at Cousins last year, he was 15th among, 15th in amongst in the pay grade amongst quarterbacks in the NFL. Well, now he's a free agent again. Yeah, he's coming off a serious injury, but he was balling before that. He's a pocket passer. Like he said, mobility has never been his strength. Uh, when you look at Derek Carr was able to get – $37.5 million a year last year. <laughs> you know, Daniel Jones got $40 million. You're, you're, like, you're telling me that Kirk Cousins can't get something like that or more uh, from somebody? Uh, I think that he can, but I don't think it's going to be the Vikings. And I don't, and also I think he, a lot made about his talk, talk, Cousins talk about structure. Um, and people took that to mean he's going to want more uh, guaranteed years. Uh like three at least. I don't think that 
I hope, and I don't think that the Vikings, Kwesi Dofamenta, are going for anything that's more than $35 million a year. Maybe that's even too rich for them. And they're certainly not going, I don't think, and they shouldn't go more than one or two years with Cousins. And I don't think Cousins is going to take $30 million or $29 million or whatever. He's not going to take a hometown discount. He's certainly not going to sign for one year. He'll, come own, he'll take a hometown discount, but he may consider that, that home, hometown discount $40 million instead of $50 million. Yes, 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 exactly. Great point. And he's not just going to sign with a team like the Vikings for one year. Uh, right. No, you know, he wants it longer than that. Yeah, and and it's the cool. whole sticking point from last season, reportedly, is that the Vikings weren't willing to give him a guaranteed twenty twenty five, and that's where the talks broke down. They were willing to extend him for twenty twenty four, but not twenty twenty five, and they said no, we're not going to do that, and thus the talks broke down. Well, what changed between now and then? Yes, he was four and four, and he popped his Achilles. And he's going to be a year older. How does that favor Kirk Cousins? Yeah. Uh, so I don't think, um, I think the Vikings will explore things, but I don't think Cousins is coming back here. And uh, and that, so that does throw a wrench into the draft a guy uh, and let the, like I'm in favor of, I'm, I'm in favor of drafting a young guy even early but not rushing him into playing. Uh, it's it's like let him sit for a year, maybe even two. It's look how it's worked. That team from Wisconsin, they did it with Rodgers. It's worked. It worked perfectly. They de- did it again with Jordan Love. It looks like, unfortunately, it's working pretty well. Uh, <laughs> so I don't think there's anything wrong with drafting a guy, uh, you know, your franchise franchise of the future, but not starting him right away if you've got the the right bridge guy there who understands his role and, that would be and can keep you, keep you competitive. But if cousins, you can't sign cousins and I don't think they will be able to, that does throw a wrench into my hopes. I think the best guy after cousins would be Gardner Minshew. He's got his issues too, but would Minshew come here for a year? He was already in an Indianapolis as the bridge guy actually wasn't playing. He was the backup until Richardson got hurt. Would he come here after the year he's had where he's probably going to get some offers to start somewhere or maybe potentially a longer commitment than the Vikings would be willing to give. I don't know, but that, that's that's a lot to think about for the Vikings, and all that, and a lot that they're going to have to get right. Uh, and they're because Quasi Dofamens and Kevin O'Connell, if they don't get this right this year at quarterback, they won't have jobs in two years. I think Dave, and uh, so a lot to think about. now beyond the okay establish that i think I, I would like to and i think the vikings are going to draft a guy in this in this draft as the franchise is the quarterback of the future i think they are going to bring in a bridge guy but you still the other three quarterbacks that the vikings have two of them are under contract uh josh dobbs um i will thank him for his service he's the one that isn't under contract i will thank him for his service thank him for the two wins he got for us but he won't be back he just doesn't fit with what kevin o'connell does the kind of offense that kevin o'connell runs uh, doesn't fit to his strengths, and then he'll be playing elsewhere. Um, uh, Nick Mullins, he very well may, but I do think, and I'm not disagreeing with you one a little bit, but I do think Kevin O'Connell has little heartstrings towards Josh Dobbs because he sees himself in Josh Dobbs, and he would like to use him as a reclamation project yeah. if he could. But like, like you said, I think. Josh Dobbs will be 
playing for what is it his tenth team next year or something like that. Yes. Now Nick Mullins. Um, here's a here's a guy, Chris Collins, but he is under contract. A very modest cap hit, like two point two million or something like that. Not, but none of it is guaranteed. So you could cut cut him uh, if things go. Uh, and there's very little dead cap hit to you and no guaranteed money to it. Um, now, I think that I don't think if the, the Vikings do what I think they're going to do, uh, they bring in the hot shot rookie quarterback. He's probably your backup uh, to the bridge, or he's a starter and you've got a veteran backup. Now, the, the, I, I just I, I think that I really like Nick Mullins. Like, I know I've said some things, but like, he's a what I call a. Man, don't give a fuck. <laughs> I don't give a fuck type of quarterback, right? He comes in there. He's going to sling the ball. He's going to throw it all over the place. He's going to try to fit it into tight windows. Uh, it, some things, some of it will work. He's going to take chances. Some of it will work. Some of it will work out horribly, but he's entertaining. And, and he gets in there and we saw in the games that he worked, the Vikings offense, it was, it moves. He can move the ball with our, our team. So he's a perfect veteran backup quarterback, cheap, effective if you only have to use them in like small spurts like a, a half if a, a starter gets hurt turns his ankle or something he can keep you afloat and keep your offense afloat but i don't think he's coming back uh, because i think the vikings the reason why is because of jaron hall uh, the vikings drafted jaron hall because they saw something in him uh, and they wanted to develop him this year that development i think their plan to develop him got sped up a lot more than they wanted to uh, they didn't want to play him at all, uh, but because of injuries, they had to. So we got to see him a bit in preseason. We got to see him a little bit in the regular season. Uh, some of the results were encouraging, but there was a lot of them that weren't encouraging. But he's a fifth-round rookie. But I think that one year as a rookie, the Vikings, Kevin O'Connell, Kwesi Adolfo the offensive staff, they are not ready to give up on Jaron Hall just yet. Uh, he's also cheaper than Mullins. So I think that Hall will be back next year, regardless of what they do with drafting right. a rookie. He, he's on a rookie contract. They're going to bring him back. They brought him in bring to him develop back. him as a backup quarterback. And he maybe he's your backup next year to whoever's a starter based on, depending on how he does in OTAs and mini camps and all of those things. Um, so, yeah. That is my feeling on the Vikings. You got to draft the rookie. You got to draft the franchise quarterback this year it's got to happen now you got to do as much as you you got to do what it takes to get it done and then you sign a, a bridge quarterback to supplement that and you bring back jaron hall and i think that's what the vikings are going to do and it's not going to be cousins who's the bridge unless cousins is does something that we've never seen him do in his whole career and take a like the fan version of a hometown discount <laughs> <laughs> yep i don't see that either but uh, I agree completely. It's going to be interesting. I do think the Vikings are going to take the quarterback of the future. Who it is, don't know how the draft's going to work out. But That's I think right. if one of their favorite people are there, they're going to try to trade up. If the opportunity presents itself, it all depends a lot on what Chicago does, uh, how high they can get, how much it's going to cost, and... Otherwise, they may sit and possibly trade down if the guy they don't like is there or one they don't value as, as high as 11. They could trade down and try to get a few more extra picks. I don't know. There is there is a lot of holes to fan, fill, especially on the defensive side. Oh, boy, is there a lot of holes to fill over there. And you've got to do that. But 
I've, I fell in love with the analogy I came up with during this last week. We've been patching potholes on this team for over three decades. Every time there's something wrong, we throw a patch on it. Just like your typical garbage government trying to fix roads. They throw a patch on it. And we got patch after patch after patch after patch after patch. And they've never gone that extra step and say, well, we're stopping the patching. We're going to rebuild the road. Now, am I calling for a rebuild? No. But to get beyond that patch, 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 where we're bumpy and we get more every time it freezes, you know, get that quarterback of the future, work with him, and then fill in afterwards. And if you can't get him this year, or can't get him where you want, say top three guys are gone in the first three picks, or five of them are gone in the top five, and there's not, then start filling those patches, right? Get your edge rusher. Get your defensive interior rusher. Get a corner a little bit later. Get, you know, all those holes need filled. Start filling those until you have that quarterback of the future in your sight, then go for him. If he's in your sight right now, go for him now. If he's not, that. But I fully expect for them to make an effort to go for him now. Yeah, you talk about the holes. Any team that's got a lot of holes, one draft, you ain't going to fill them all. Uh, but if you if you fill a couple of them and fill them out really well, you make the right choices, you can really improve a lot as a team. And what's the biggest hole to fill other than the most important position in the sport? Quarterback. Right. And 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 that makes the most difference. Uh, look at Kansas City. They don't have any wide receivers that can catch a football. And yet their quarterback <laughs> no. keeps them in the game. So yeah. um it makes such a huge difference. And I hope they go for it, but we'll find out. Yes, Norsefius, only two likes. Come on, folks. Let's get it up a little bit higher than that. I know it's the game's on, but we're done pontificating for today. We'll let you get back to your game. What is the score, by the way? I haven't watched. Haven't even turned it on yet. Last I saw was 17-14 for somebody or something like that. Well, well, it's closer than I thought it would be. But, so, yeah. Well, I'm going to get off to the game. I'll let you get off to the game, Darren. Any last words? None at all. Next week, we're going to do running backs. So, another <laughs> position with some holes. <laughs> Start patching them holes. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate it. Everybody, thank you for watching. Thank you for joining in the chat. We love you seeing you there. And we'll see you next week on Two Old Bloggers and then on Nothing Tomorrow. And then uh, Monday, we'll have uh, The Real Forno at 6 p.m. Till then, stay warm. Don't make stupid decisions. And uh, by all means, skull Vikings. Skull Vikings, baby. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell. And rate us on your favorite podcast aggregator. Darren and Dave, thank you for watching this episode of Two Old Bloggers. We look forward to seeing you on every show on the new Vikings First and Skull. You can find our podcasts as part of the Fans First Sports Network. Sports takes for the fan, from the fan. Skull, everybody!
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This has been a Vikings First and Skull production. Part of the Fans First Sports Network.